Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Titans fans? Nick Lombardi of Titans Unfiltered Pod here. Yes, it's just Nick. No Sam. Sam's out there grinding, folks. He's out there getting Pepsis ready for the holiday season, working hard. Uh, Thanks to him and all those of you who are out there working hard in this holiday season, making it good for the rest of us. I really appreciate that. But, um, you know, speaking of working during the holiday, you know who's not going to be working? Urban Mike, is he out of here? Got him. It's your dad joke of the, the day, starting things off hot. Um, but yeah, Urban Meyer, last NFL game, thanks to the Titans. I mean, um, I think I saw something the last four um, Jaguars coaches have been fired following a loss to an AFC South opponent. So Titans are two of those. Um, and, you know, Vrabel was the Brutus to Urban Caesar, handing him his final defeat in the NFL. And I feel comfortable calling it, you know, the final defeat in the NFL because, you know, it's not just been the losses at 2-11. and 11, It's just been the whole picture for Urban. I mean, it's just starting things off, signing that asshole strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, how he handled uh, Trevor Lawrence during the preseason, having him split, split snaps with Gardner Minshew, even though everybody knew that Trevor was going to start ultimately. And it was kind of a waste of reps. Um, you know, and then they traded Gardner and got nothing out of it. Um, but then, you know, and then things ramped up for the regular season. You know, the bar incident was a big one. That, that could have been enough scandal alone for one coach, but Urban really went the mile, you know, and with all the stuff recently of calling his coaches losers, how he's handled James Robinson. Um, he just generally not having a clue either whenever he's asked about his players. He just doesn't even seem to know who's on the field and who's not. Um, and then Lambo with the no pun intended kicker coming in to say that he was kicked by Urban Meyer. And then that was, that was it. That was curtains. Um, which really says something, I think for, um, I, I mean, Shad Khan has been one of the most lenient owners, right? He's basically like Gus Bradley and Doug Marone bumble their way through multiple seasons, uh, without firing. So the fact that Urban Meyer, got fired after 13 games really says a lot about, um, you know, how bad he messed this up. But I I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, 
he could have been two and eleven, but if he was respecting his staff and his players, um, he's still the coach there. That's what it comes down to. And I think one of the biggest tropes that false tropes, I guess, in, in the NFL is, oh, have they lost the locker room? And that always happens when teams start losing. Um, I mean, I've heard it about Vrabel. I think um, when Mariota got benched, I remember that was brought up just based on how Delaney Walker was like, seemed sad that Marcus had gotten benched. Um, but I think this is an example of what happens when a coach really loses a locker room um, and how everybody basically turned on him. And like all these sources that are leaking, um, you know, that's, that's from disgruntled employees basically. And that's not happening if you're treating your players with respect and have good relationships. Um, that, you know, losses alone aren't going to do that. So that really says a lot. You know, I, I know people give Vrabel a hard time and how he has that gruff persona in his pressers. But at the end of the day, when you hear his players talk about him, they, they just they're glowing about him and say how much um, respect he has for them and treat them like men. And that just really goes a long way, especially, you know, at the NFL level when everybody's professional here. Um, so, you know, enough about Urban, but it also just kind of made me um, thankful for, for what we have right now. Um, and, and I think that's been the case for a lot of the coaches here. I'd probably say Wizenhunt, maybe he didn't seem like he had, like had his players backing too much, but like guys like Munchak and Malarkey, they all had good relationships with their players. Um, and I think that's continued with Vrabel. So enough about that. Um, talking about the Jags game in general, kind of boring. Um, but you know, I think that it went exactly how the Titans planned, you know, they played excellent defense. Um, one of their first shutouts in years, I think since 2018, um, kept them under 10 rushing yards, multiple turnovers. Um, they just really played a sound game, which I, I think has been missing. You know, I, I don't think they had any penalties till the fourth quarter. They didn't turn the ball over. Um, and, you know, that's Vrabel's teams are always great coming out of, um, you know, a week off or the beginning of the season. They're always they're always prepared. Um, but I also think just, you know, not being fatigued and, you know, we got a little bit healthier. Not, not everybody was back, but getting guys prepared and feeling good, I think, really goes a long way. So hopefully we see that continue. Um, the defense really looked like itself again. Um, and like I said, a, a week of rest really worked wonders. It felt like, um, you know, not everybody injured was back, but I, I think one of the things I noticed, especially in those final two games was, um, you know, it, it's the quote unquote healthy guys were struggling because with so many players out and practice squad guys coming up, the, the true starters we're having to, you know, really give it their all and play more snaps maybe than they would have otherwise. Um, and so, you know, not everybody there was healthy. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons had an ankle. I know Harold Landry, I think, maybe had a hammy or something. Um, last game I was at, I know he was working himself out with the, with the muscle gun. So, um, you know, they were fatigued. They're playing a lot of snaps. And so I think that's what we saw. You know, we, we really didn't see the defensive line do anything these past couple games uh, prior to the bye, I should say. But we really saw um, the defensive line and, and the sack pressure that we've come, gotten used to throughout the middle part of the season come back in force. And so hopefully that continues in this next game um, as we're scheduled to get Bud Dupree back. And that really has been, um, you know, the linchpin of that front four. But I, I really do think that depth plays a huge issue or a, a huge part in the success of that defense. 
um, you know, getting guys like Crookshank back, um, filling out that, uh, the defensive side. And, you know, we, we are missing Jackrabbit Jenkins, but Buster Scrine stepped up big. Um, Maven's been out there. So, you know, it's not, I just, I really want to see this team fully healthy. I don't think we can say we've seen that all year. Um, and we see so many glimpses of it and we're getting closer and closer, uh, to the end of the season. And it really seems like it's feasible. So hopefully that, that bye week really just did us wonders. And, you know, we see more and more guys coming, coming back and we need them back because, um, you know, outside of Henry, who I don't think will necessarily, I mean, maybe we'll see him a game or two at the end. Like these other guys just need to get in here and mesh and get some reps and get back in the swing of things. Um, but yeah, it was a great showing all around by the defense, even though it was against um, a team who was in the media all leading up and hasn't been good on the year. But that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're, you're supposed to beat the good teams. Um, you know, we might lose to the Texans and the Jets, but we're always always good for a Jags dub. Um, so naturally, shutting out a team, beating them by 20 points, you know, that's a very hard thing to do in the NFL, even against a bad team. Um, but, you know, Titans Twitter, you know, like Jeff Goldblum, life finds a way. Titans Twitter finds something to complain about. So naturally, the conversation turned to the job Todd Downing has done this year. Um, it wasn't a pretty offensive game. Well, I wasn't, you know, like, oh, you know, this explosive offense, having a great time here watching. No, it was it was a sluggish running for three yards of carry a game, uh, three yards of carry type of game. And it, it wasn't it wasn't great. You know, we haven't seen a ton of creativity um, out of Downing. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of back and forth on the issue. I think for me, um, one thing I would I would request of all Titans fans, this is on both sides of the argument, you know, like just don't speak in absolutes. Um, you know, it's just a very flat Downing sucks or you don't understand Downing's been great and he's been hampered by everything. You know, it, as is most things, in, as are most things in life, like it usually falls in the gray area, right? Um, I don't think, I don't think you can say Todd Downing has done a great job this year. I mean, if you're just looking at the offense uh, from 2020 to 2021, um, you know, in 2020, they were fourth in offensive DVOA. And it is kind of funny you know, um, people push back so hard on DVOA stuff. Um, but 2020 DVOA was very favorable to the Titans. You know, it's not a biased, like, you know, uh, small market thing. Um, the metrics that DVOA uses really liked the Titans offense, fourth overall. And a lot of that had to do with how explosive they were. Um, uh, you know, I think a big factor in every time that we saw that the Titans weren't uh, grading well in DVOA, the explanation was that they were giving up more yards per play um, than they were getting, even though they were winning during that five-game stretch. Um, and so, yeah, the Titans dropped from fourth uh, last year to 23rd this year in offensive DVOA, and that's really mirrored um, by the yards per play. So we averaged 6.2 yards per play in 2020, which is fourth, um, currently averaging 5.2 yards uh, per play in 2021. So a full yard per play less than we were doing in 2020. And, you know, there's no really way you can fully explain that away. It's not good. Like that's, that's a big drop and um, having an explosive offense is, is so crucial to having a successful team. Um, now, but where it comes into is you can't just look at that. Oh, well, look, look at this. Downing sucks. There's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, um, 
you know, last year they got pretty much a full year of A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Johnny Smith. The offensive line was at their peak. Um, Arthur Smith was in his second year. He had a good feel for the offense. Um, it, everything was aligned, um, setting up nicely for the Titans. And this year we they've just ha- they've had a lot going on. I mean, Julio Jones has played a handful of games, and when he's been out there, he hasn't been 100% playing full games. Um, AJ Brown has missed a ton of time, and there hasn't really been any depth, um, you know, at wide receiver. That's you know, Nick Westbrook Akine's, you know, been decent, and Marcus Johnson had a, you know, a game or two that he was effective. But you just got you got to have someone to throw to, and they're not top level receivers, and that's tough on on Tannehill, um, and not having a true tight end really to bail him out either. Um, but honestly, I know I've said this time and time again, the, the pass blocking for the offense has just been so uh, restrictive in how this offense has been able to grow. And, and one of the things I hear is Downing's not creative. Well, it, it's really hard to be creative and, um, you know, to have explosive play, plays by throwing it downfield um, if your offensive line cannot pass block. And I mean, if you just watch some of these reps are, are just brutal guys like Saffold, man, like he's. He's playing hurt. He's a warrior. You know, I was teasing him a little bit on Twitter last year. I, I got a lot of respect for him. Like he's, it, it's a pain management thing. And I, you know, sitting in my comfy chair, c- couldn't imagine, but he is really struggling and pass blocking and same for Nate Davis. Both of them, I think have below a 50 um, as far as PFF goes. And that's pressure directly up the middle. Um, hard to step into the pocket and throw it downfield when that's happening. And the guys on the edge aren't much better. Uh, Quisenberry started out good, and he's regressing. And Lawan has been up and down throughout the season. It's it's been one of the worst, uh, you know, it's, I don't want to say worst pass blocking years, but it's one of the lowest uh, success rate that they have really since um, at least Arthur Smith took over. Uh, and and that's really what a lot of their success was. They were they had good off- offensive lines in the past. Still run blocking solidly, but. Um, I guess bring this all back to Downing. I don't think you can flatly say he sucks because I think there's enough um, factors at play that are outside of his control that are restrictive in terms of what he can do um, in terms of creativity and getting aggressive. You know, I, I think uh, Tannehill's average depth target last week was like four yards or something. He, he I mean, you just have to have quick passes because you, you can't ho- hope that your offensive line blocks these guys. Um, and that, you know, short passes, they get the job done. Dinky and Duncan, they got the job done last week, but that's the one thing I think that can hold them back going forward is that offensive line and how they've been pass blocking. Um, cause you can take, you can figure out ways to take away the dink and dunk. Um, and you really need to have those explosive plays, um, in order to be successful and, you know, getting AJ Brown and maybe Julio up to speed will benefit that, but you know, they, they can only do so much. They can only run down the field for so long um, before Tannehill gets set. You know, if it's if it's guys are getting to in the second and a half, there's only so far they can run down the field at that point. So it's hard to have those explosive plays um, when, when you're held back by your offensive line. So in sum, I think it's fair to say Downing hasn't been great. But, you know, what, what has gone into that? Um, I think a great example is how critical we were of Shane Bowen, Shane Bowen last year. And, you know, rightfully so, though, the defense was terrible. Um, but J-Rob and Vrabel kind of indicated in the offseason that they thought, you know, they just didn't have the pieces in place. And they 
acted on that. I mean, got rid of Adori and um, some of these other big pieces and basically revamped, um, you know, they got rid of Malcolm Butler, um, revamped the secondary, brought in Autry and Dupree. And, you know, I, I don't think that Bowen has done anything drastically different this year. He just got the players who can execute. So, you know, everybody wrote him off for dead and he's he's been leading probably the strength of our team this year. Um, Bowen has. So, you know, Downing, you know, again, hasn't been great, but let's, let's be, let's, again, let's not speak in absolutes. He hasn't been great. Does it mean he sucks and is a waste of time? Let's move on. No. I mean, I, I heard people calling for Arthur Smith's job last year when he was leading a top five offense. And so at that point, I know, you know, whoever the offensive coordinator is, someone's going to be unhappy. And, you know, if you watch these gurus, like, Andy Reid, Shanahan, McVay, like they, they make dumb play calls throughout the game. Um, and it's easy to get hung up on those, but it's very hard to, to bowl a perfect game when you're an offensive coordinator. So, um, and I, I think the Titans are honestly, they're playing into the clock possession right now. I mean, we saw what the Patriots did a couple weeks ago, um, just ran the hell out of the ball. They didn't, they, they didn't care that they were only getting three yards of carry. They had their game plan. And I think the Titans we're kind of doing something like that last week. I mean, and wh why not? Because they coasted to a win. You know, why be aggressive with Julio when you can run the ball effectively and score points and you don't have to – you can count on your defense to stop the opposing offense. So um, we'll get to what we can expect um, out of them next week. I think – I don't think we'll see too much different. I'll touch on that more later. But um, in, in terms of downing – let's 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 give it some time um but yeah let's let's move on to the Pittsburgh game while we're there I mean uh it's kind of monumental this could be the last time the Titans face Big Ben um had some good matchups against him but he's indicating that um you know this is going to be the end of the season and I don't think any you know anybody who's watched the highlights of him like falling in slow motion um like me like if, <laughs> if I were to trip on the sidewalk or something um, knows that he's at the end of his rope. Um, great quarterback, had a really storied career. He was one of the more fun quarterbacks to watch in his prime, but um, we can all see it coming to coming to an end, and I think he knows it too. Um, honestly, it's kind of surprising. You know, he, he he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been, you know, total shit this year, which is kind of a testament, probably to his experience and what arm strength he has left. He has left. Um, but it's kind of funny going into this game. Like, I know people are talking about Steelers hate week and all that, but it feels a little lessened um, than it has in the past. Maybe the Steelers just, I mean, this could be the first year they don't make the playoffs under Tomlin, right? Or is it a losing record? I think it's a losing record. Um, but that could be the first year. And so it's it, it doesn't quite feel as hype as it has in the past. But you know, these, this is still a solid team. And I think the Titans should, I don't actually, I think Vegas is favoring Pittsburgh right now, maybe because it's, the home field advantage is all they need, but it, it should be a pretty even game. Um, and Pittsburgh's looking pretty healthy for the most part. And I know TJ Watt, we were hoping, you know, not that we hope for injuries, but would have been nice if he took an extra week off for the Titans. Um, it looks like he's going to be out there full participation today on Wednesday. Highsmith is out there. The only guy um, who might not be is uh, Joe Hayden. I saw he had some COVID stuff, but he, he might be back as well. So, um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite feel quite as hyped up as it has in the past. Um, 
maybe because Pittsburgh isn't at the peak of their powers like they have uh, have been in the past. Um, and I think part of that reason, you know, I've been kind of digging into Pittsburgh. Their problem really is has been starting slow this year, which sounds familiar because this happens to the Titans a lot uh, this year. Um, the Steelers are 28th in first half scoring um, overall. And over the past three games, they're dead last. So this is a team um, that just does not score a lot of points quickly. And we saw that um, last week against the Vikings. You know, they, they were shut out um in the first half we're down 23 to nothing um but the thing about the Steelers is they they storm back um 10th in scoring in the second half um so this is a team and you know the Titans have been guilty of that in the past right they can build a lead and then they're gonna go in their conservative mode and run run pass run run pass and teams can come back and you know like I said Ben isn't the Ben of old, but he, he can still lead a comeback, and he almost did it last week um, against the Vikings, and that has me a little worried. Um, you know, I think the Titans tend to take their foot off the pedal, so if they can get a lead, uh, I wouldn't quite count Pittsburgh as a team who can't come back because um, they, they've shown they can do that. But in all their losses this week they or this year, they've, they've gotten down big and just can't come back from it. So the Titans have to get up early. Um and hold on because if if it's an even game that'll have me a little nervous. You know, the, the Pittsburgh's perform a lot better when the the game is close. Um, it's the times they've fallen behind early is when they lose. So, um, we'll see how the Titans handle that. I mean, a lot of the offense is going to run through Najee Harris, and you know we talked about um, they didn't score any points last week in the first half. Um, I mean Najee had let's see. Uh, at halftime, he had 17 yards on seven rushing attempts and ended up finishing with 94 um, on 20 attempts. So, you know, he really turned it on the second half, and, and that's how the offense um, functions because, you know, Ben's arm just isn't quite what it used to be anymore. Um, from what I can tell, um, you know, I always love looking at what the opposing fans say. They, they, they're sometimes, you know, the most revealing about a team. And from what I, what I've seen is that, um, you know, teams have figured out how to stop the offense, which is overload the line of scrimmage and attack, you know, let them try and beat you deep. Um, and they haven't been able to do that. The offensive line, it's kind of a similar situation to the Titans. The offensive line has not been great. Um, and instead of guys on being unable to get separation because the wide receivers are pretty good, um, I just don't think Ben has that arm to get it deep anymore. So I expect to see a lot of that with the Titans. You know, bring you know, I think the the way to beat them is to stop them on those early downs because they're going to try run, run, pass probably as well. Um, make Ben have third and long, and um, get him off the field. Um, if, if Najee gets rolling, that's when the Titans are going to be in trouble. So, you know, it's encouraging that we saw uh, success against the run last week. Um, and you're going to need to keep that up because if the run game gets going, then everything starts clicking for the Steelers. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, we talked about the receivers um, with Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Those are two good, solid receivers. And with Jackrabbit Jenkins out, not sure exactly what we'll see. Um, Buster Scrine played the most out of any quarterback cornerbacks last week, but he's a little guy. He's just five nine. So um, 
you can't put him on Claypool. So Fulton as the bigger cornerback would presumably play on Claypool. But then, you know, Scrine played good last week, but I'm still, I still don't feel good about putting him um, against a guy like Deontay Johnson. I mean, I think he's one of the better, I don't know where I'd rank him, top 25, top 20 wide receivers in the league. Um, he's had a great year. Um, and he's been targeted much more heavily than Claypool has. That's that's Ben's favorite target by far. So do we really feel comfortable putting Scrine, who's really only had one, um, you know, one week of play against the Dismal Jaguars on him all day? I, that makes me a little nervous. So I'll be interested to see how they handle that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more of Greg Maven. He was the third guy. Um, he played about 40% of the snaps last week. So the thing with him is he's 6'1", 200. So what you could theoretically do is, you know, put him a little bit more on um, Claypool for for size purposes and keep Fulton on Deontay Johnson. Because um, ideally that's what you want to do, put your best cornerback on the best wide receiver. And as good as Claypool is, I still think Deontay Johnson is a better wide receiver. Um, and I think Fulton's strengths, you know, can mirror Johnson pretty well there. So um, you know, it would be nice to have Crookshank back as well um, with his big body and athleticism against Claypool. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle that. I, I don't – I've seen some people say that they, they expect Fulton to be on Claypool all day. That might be the case, but um, that just leaves a lot left to be desired with Deontay Johnson, and I don't really know. Mabin – I feel better about Mabin or, you know, some combination of Molden and – um, Crookshank, if he's healthy and the safety's helping out with Claypool, then sticking Buster Scrown on Deontay Johnson. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, what they do there, but that's something to watch um, for sure. And hopefully we're going to get uh, Bud Dupree back, get the defensive front back to where they used to be. Um, that'll be huge against Ben, putting pressure on him. Because he, I mean, I think Ben might be more mobile now than Carson Wentz was when he was like basically on two broken ankles when we played him earlier in the season. Like I think Ben is less mobile than Carson was that game and Carson could barely move. Um, so if you get pressure on Ben, still a big boy to take down, but he's not going anywhere. So uh, I know Bud Dupree will be out there, want to be out there for the revenge game. He's been looking good in practice. So, so hopefully we see all the boys, all the boys back out there. Um, Flipping sides, talking about the offense, um, you know, when you think about Steelers' defense, you think of Steel Curtain, um, how, you know, they got to, what, were they 11-0 to start the year last year? They got off to a super hot start. Everybody was talking about them at the same time, acknowledging, you know, these this team isn't for real. Um, I hate that some people have compared the Titans to them. Um, I think the Titans are a much more complete team than the Steelers were last year. Um but that was driven by their, their defense. Um, you know, obviously Bud Dupree was a part of that. Um, finished first in DVOA last year um, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I think um, this year they're 27th? I think 27th, yeah. Um, which, I mean, first to 27th is just such a huge drop. Um, and it's funny too, cause they didn't, I mean, they didn't lose a ton of their players. TJ Watt's still there. Cam Hayward is there. Uh, Devin Bush got hurt in the second half of the year. He hasn't really been the same since he came back, but Fitzpatrick, Hayden, um, 
it's just a weird situation that they got that bad that quickly. Um, and a lot of that has to do with their run defense. I mean, they are 30th overall in their rushing DVOA. And if you watched the game at all last um, last week, that's a would come up no surprise to you is Dalvin Cook, who they weren't even sure was going to play, went out and just ran all over them. 27 carries, 205 yards, two touchdowns at seven and a half um, yards per carry. Just absolutely obliterated them. So that's a bit of good news because, you know, as boring as you think it is, what the Titans love to do is run the hell out of the ball and do play action. So, um, you know, we always talk about the, we were just talking about the creativity with Downing and what we're going to see. No, guys, this is going to be a run heavy game. Um, I think the Titans will be successful doing so. And it's going to come down um, to Tannehill executing on play action and converting those third downs when he needs to. And I think they have the ability to do that. I don't think this, this Steelers team is what they used to be. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I really liked what we saw out of Foreman last week. Um, I, I mentioned before the game, I was laughing at myself because I was like, oh, I think we'll see mostly Hilliard and then McNichols on third down. But it was the Foreman show from the get-go. Um, and I know he got that forearm injury and it kind of derailed him a little bit, but I think he should be good to go for this game. Um, so looking forward to see how he can continue to grow and progress. Um, he's, he's been a big help to them. Um, and so if if they can even do half of what Dalvin Cook did last you know, last week, I think they'll be in business. So this lines up well in terms of what the Titans like to do, both on offense and defense. Um, so I'll be interested to see. And, you know, if we're talking um, the passing game, um, I, I, I would like to see them get Julio involved a little more. Um, some real set plays just to get him the ball, get his legs under him. I mean, he's getting – but four targets a game, just, you know, it doesn't need to be crazy. Just get him six targets um, because we, as much as we want to preserve him, we also need him at the peak of, of his game by the time we get to playoffs. I don't think um, that's going to happen if we're not throwing him the ball. He's got to get those those live game reps. So I'll be interested to see how they handle that as well. Um, you know, the they have a TJ Watt with the groin injury. Um you know, even with that, I still think he's going to pose a threat. I think he'll be mashed up who against Quisenberry. Quisenberry has been starting to falter, falter against the pass rush a little bit. So I'll be interested to see if he can hold up and how Lawan looks against uh, Highsmith has, has, has been banged up as well, but should be good to go. Um, Javon, is it Javon Hargrave? Yeah, Javon Hargrave is on the team, and he is one of the best interior pass rushers in the game. Um, along with Cam Hayward. Um, oh, no, not Javon Hargrave. I, I was just, yeah, I was, Javon Hargrave is on the Eagles. My bad. My bad. Just Cam Hayward. Just Cam Hayward. Um, Javon Hargrave was on the Steelers, but he's no longer on the Steelers. My bad, guys. Um, Cam Hayward, though, very good. I think um, PFF has him ranked number two overall in terms of interior defenders after uh, Aaron Donald. So, I expect the Titans to kind of, you know, they were able to neutralize Aaron Donald to an extent. Um, a lot of that had to do with rolling the pocket away from him, the double teams, all that. Um, I expect a similar situation with Cam Hayward um, because he got to neutralize him. He's very good against the run, very good against the pass rush. And as I mentioned, um, interior line has just been the worst part about the offensive line and, and pass blocking. Um 
So I'm going to be a little nervous if um, Hayward is matched one on, match up one-on-one -on -one, um, with either Nate Davis or Roger Saffold. Probably have his way with them. So got to figure out what they're going to do about that or else it could spell trouble. I mean, my, my guy Tannehill has just been taking some shots. You know, there's at least two times a game where I feel like he gets up grimacing. Um, you know, dude, dude's a warrior. I'm surprised he's lasted this long without an injury, knock on wood. Um, but Cam Hayward is probably who I'm worried about most on the defense this week um, and how our interior line is, is going to stop him on pass plays. So something to watch there. Um, other Titans players, will we see Golden Tate? My guess is no. Um, you know, Rob Moore had mentioned that the conditioning was an issue. Um, and, you know, I think they, they like bringing Cody Hollister up for his knowledge of the offense and his pass blocking, um, and, or his run blocking, sorry. And with how I just said, this is going to be another run blocking game. I think he, he provides more value. Um, and another underrated thing is the other guy that they've been bringing up from the practice squad, uh, Kevin Strong, he's been playing more than, um, um, oh, what's his name? Guy from NC State for the Titans, um, second-year player. Um, but, yeah, yeah, Kevin Strong's been playing. I think he played, like, maybe 20% of the snaps last week. Um, so he's he's not a guy that they're just bringing up and not say Like, with Tier Tart out and some other injuries, you know, they've um, – Lorel Martinson, that's he, – he only played, like, 5% of the snaps last week. Kevin Strong came in and played a lot of them. So, um, They've been using him, so I don't think they're going to, you know, unless Tart is back and kind of, they, you know, Bud Dupree is back and the defensive line gets back to where they, I think they need Kevin Strong. So I don't think Golden Tate's going to jump him. Don't think he's going to jump Cody Hollister. Um, again, let's not speak in absolutes. Um, it's, it is funny. I think people are like, oh, I knew the Golden Tate experiment wasn't going to be worthwhile. Guys, like stuff takes a little time to develop. Like, the Titans knew what they were doing, right? Like, I saw people, you know, were making a big deal about his pregame warm-ups. I just don't place a lot of value on that. If he was so slow as he appeared in those, like, the Titans would have noticed that when they had him for a workout or over, like, the past three weeks when he's been on the team and realized this is not a viable NFL player. I don't think that the speed is an issue. I do think probably conditioning and getting in football shape has been an issue. Um, and I just don't, I don't think that the Titans feel like they have to rush it. Um, and, uh, you know, people have been kind of dancing on the grave of people who thought it was a good idea. Oh, I told you so not to expect anything from him. Will we get a ton of production from him throughout this year? Probably not. Will we get some at the end of the year and he might be valuable in the playoffs? I think so. You know, I, I know some people think he's not any better than Chester Rogers, but I have a kind of low opinion of Chester Rogers, if I'm being completely honest. And, you know, I, I, I can guarantee you most defenses will pay a little more attention to Golden Tate uh, than they will Chester Rogers, even if he, he's not the same Golden Tate of old. So just patience, guys. Patience on all fronts. Patience on down and patience on Golden Tate on Julio's return. I'm going to try and be patient for the offensive line. Um, but in some, if I'm going by old Sammy's, um, keys to the game, Titans got to start fast. Um, cause Pittsburgh wants us, you know, they've been slow starters. So if, if the Titans, 
let them get out to an early lead. That's going to favor them. Um, offensive line's got a pass block. Have to slow down Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. Or else it's going to spell trouble for um, Tannehill. They have to take advantage of the poor Pittsburgh Steelers run defense. Um, they should be able to. The pass the run as bad as the pass blocking has been. The run blocking has been solid. So hopefully Dante Foreman can continue to take advantage of that. Um, and how they're going to handle the wide receivers, you know, I think they're they're set up well to slow down Najee Harris. Um, but with two, you know, top I wouldn't say top tier, but upper tier wide receivers on the outside and missing one of their starting cornerbacks, how are they going to handle both of them? So um, get all that done. This is a game, despite what Vegas says, I think the Titans should win, uh, but also not a pushover game. This, you know, this is still Steelers. I think Mike Tomlin is still one of the best coaches in the league. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I do feel the Titans are poised to win, um, but this is not going to be a cakewalk by any means. Um, so final score, I'm going to say Titans 24-17. don't think it will be super high scoring, um, but I think the Titans will have some success in the run game, force a couple turnovers, um, and keep it rolling. You know, uh, there was a good game tonight on between Kansas City and Los Angeles Chargers, and Kansas City won. Um, you know, there's it's very feasible that they went out through the rest of the year in um so even if the Patriots don't do that the Titans have that to contend with so if the Titans really want the first seed um they're gonna have to win out and so that's gonna start with Pittsburgh San Francisco is gonna be a tough one on a short week and then um Miami's been playing feisty and then if you can get through those three you get the reward of Houston so um we'll see what happens I'm looking forward to the game you know last Last week was a little anticlimactic. It was more about urban drama than the actual game. Game was a little little sluggish. So looking forward to a good game. Probably the last one we see uh, with the Titans against uh, Roethlisberger. So all that said, uh, tighten up, and we'll see what happens. <laughs>